0: So it's really all about the drive, right, that intrinsic sense of motivation, that positivity, that optimism that really makes that distinction between somebody who's simply interested in the sport and wants to make professionally, as opposed to somebody who lives for the sport, who's really focused on that goal. So it doesn't matter, you know, socioeconomic status, where you came from, anything like that, right, as long as you have that drive. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times we, we see when you come from inner cities of uh, even in soccer, and we look at Brazil and different places. As I've said many times, like people ask, well, when is the United States in soccer going to be real dominant? I said when you see a kid dribbling a soccer ball down the field with his bare feet, like you see them doing in places like Brazil, they there's a intrinsic value in the ability to. Uh, have a drive that is bigger than just liking to play the sports if it's trying to get out and do something bigger for your family whatever it is but there has to be a love for the game because in sports in general like i'll take basketball you shoot 50 percent, you are really really good well 50 percent in life is like failure you know if you take it in grades that's like an f Baseball, if you hit 300, you are a Hall of Famer. That's 30%. That means out of 10, you're going to miss seven times. So if, if you can't deal with some sort of, you know, not being successful or the ups and downs, it, you got to be built for it. It's it's the mindset of, oh, I'm going to do it next time. I'll do it next time. And it, it might not happen for you. But um, as Bob Marley says, if you keep taking the bucket to the well, one day the bottom will drop out. Hmm.
0: So when you were, you know, talking and conversing with your, with your peers, with your friends, with your teammates, was this a consistent observation you made that, you know, some of these people are coming from the hood and these kind of backgrounds, or where were these people coming from? You know, your peers. Well, well,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, it, so uh, along my path yes because that's that's all that's all I knew i didn't really experience uh, and, and meet a lot of other people playing basketball until i kind of rose in the ranks i mean initially it was just in my neighborhood i wasn't going anywhere i was staying right there and not until i was like a senior and really good did i ever even leave the state of, of washington or the Pretty much the city of Seattle, with the exception of driving an hour and a half away to see my father. Other than that, I was I stayed in one spot, and then I got to you know high school and made some all-star teams, and I now I started meeting people of other ilk's and different uh, means and things like that, and I was like, wow, okay, you know, I'm now I'm being exposed to some different stuff. I get to college, and you know, I come from the inner city and i don't have money but people at pepperdine like there was a prince that went to our school and different stuff and they're driving ferraris and lambert and i'm just like wow this is out of control so basketball has also exposed me to a lot of different areas of life that i would have never got exposed to had it not been for that little leather ball
0: so did you face any obstacles or challenges growing up as a mixed race kid that seems like it's a you know a, pre- a prevalent yeah. issue in your
1: background. You know, yeah, the, the the love that I experienced in my neighborhood, I would say no. You know, there was uh there was just love, you know, and then basketball obviously helped with that at the same time. When I first experienced that, to be honest, is when I went to my, my father, and that's when I was called the N-word and a lot of different negativities, but uh, up and beyond that, the, the people in my neighborhood, like, was there, did you get in fights and different stuff? Yeah, but for, for the most part, there was a massive amount of love that I never looked at myself in any other way than a, a, an African-American. My, my mother raised me that way. And when I went to live with my father and experienced that, it, you know, it validated who I was. I've always been proud of that. And I, that's just how I was raised.
0: So this drive that really brought you to success and the support system, can you further specify what that felt like, what it looked like as you were growing up? Like, what did you do to set yourself apart from your peers who were just doing this as a hobby?
1: You know, it's a good question because, so I had a, a few friends, uh, one of them, um, he turned to drugs and drug dealing and he was murdered. And, uh, you know, other friends that went to jail and prison and different things like that. And it was, it, for, for me, it first it was just a blessing, the ability to, Kind of dodge trouble, but at the same time, a willingness to sacrifice when some of them wouldn't, meaning like I was willing to go and work on my game and work out as opposed to maybe go hang out. And some of them were not. So that was more of the hobby mindset, like you're not really as serious about this as I am. I'm actually willing to sacrifice my life to to try to further my this blessing that I've been given. So that more than anything is what it looked like. It was the willingness to sacrifice when some of my friends, they, they were not.
0: Who was your inspiration growing up? Who would taught you, well, not, you didn't have to meet them, but who taught you that you can make a profession, you can make money, you can support your family off of this sport. Who was that for you?
1: You know, in many ways, it was my mother. Um, just watching her, but um, my my father had married, and so I had stepbrothers, and uh, William, my stepbrother, was probably one of my biggest inspirations. I, I watched him run track. He was an incredible athlete, and He was on the, he he ran in track and long jumped in the Goodwill Games that were in Seattle, Washington. But he he was always a driving force for me because I was always trying to compete, and he was faster and could jump higher and and different things like that. So in in so many ways, I had somebody who was athletic. Now on the professional level, there you know there's been Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson and Dennis Johnson and Gus Williams that were you know right in my city of Seattle that have. A professional basketball team. For me, in my real life, uh, my, my mom and my brother William, in a lot of ways, were inspirations.
0: Your mom. It's always it's always with the mothers. I think even in a, in a, a two parent relationship, a two parent home, it's the mom uh, mm-hmm. as is her role to nurture her children. We are taking the most from her, right? Whether it be inspiration, uh, support, etc. What would you do if you didn't have your mom?
1: Um, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I don't, I don't know because those times when I I needed the support, when I I needed the push, she was, uh, she was always there, but growing up as a kid and having me so young, it was almost where I I almost didn't have my mom because I was going to be in the foster system, but my, my grandfather came and got me and took me back to my mom. So, um, I, I don't know that there, there would have been a lost part of me in many ways that that is another blessing that it, I I don't have to necessarily think that, but there are a lot of kids out there that do. And that's when you turn to your faith. That's when you turn to your strength. That's when you try to find something to believe in that is bigger than yourself. And for me, she was uh, an angel that's always been on my shoulder, even when she was alive. And now even more that she is not here with me.
0: Did you have any siblings growing up? Any siblings?
1: Uh, Step siblings. I was my mother's only child. So, you know, she poured everything into me in so many different ways. Uh, with my father, he had other children. So I got to meet them later in my life. But w- with my mom, it was just, it was me and her.
0: That relationship, that's not something you'd see very often. At least in my neighborhood, I've got, you know, six brothers mm-hmm. Attention is divided. I don't have that much. But, you know, having that special relationship with your mother, that is incredible. And I do think that's that's how you got to where you are today. You had somebody to fight for, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, there was uh, a time in college when I had... First got there and I'd always write on my shoes for mom, you know, so I'd look down at the top of them and I would see that when I was running or playing or whatever, because when you get tired, that's the one thing you kind of grab your shorts and you look down. So she she was a a shining inspiration in so many different ways for me to try to um, be more, do more you know succeed to watch her you know do the things that she was able to do was uh, was a true blessing and to have a child a mixed-race child at at 15 years old and then to get a job and hold that job and support and all the different things that she went through yeah she was um, she was a shining example in so many different ways for me
0: you wrote for mom on your shoes to remind you of, of her
1: well, it was also to, sports are, are really weird because when you stop doing something, and it depends on how hard you work, you know, I, I would a lot of times try to go till I couldn't go anymore. So, you know, when that happens, that means you're stopping. You're not necessarily quitting, but you're quitting for a moment because it's maybe overwhelming. So when it becomes overwhelming, I needed to reset. And that phrase reset me. And that's what I needed at that particular time to try to continue to push on. And in many times, catch a glance and not stop and keep going and try to push harder.
0: Early on in this interview, you mentioned that there's negativity that comes with all of this attention. How did you manage that? Was Jackie and Chantelle and Douglas Jr. a part of you being able to cope with all of this? all these people telling you what to do?
1: Um, you know, to be honest, when you're, when you're a young athlete, you learn a lot of, uh, I would say from that point, my wife and children learn from me because they watch me deal with this. And a part of it is when you're young, you're you, you criticized at a young age for winning and losing the different things. Being a professional athlete or being an athlete while you're young, you you learn how to cope. Now on every level it gets bigger and the press and social media and all these and I didn't even have social media when I was young. So I can imagine that it's even more now. But in in many ways I I demonstrated to them on how to deal with it because a lot of the ways that you just deal with things on a day to day basis, you don't do it the same in sports because there's a team and in it team there's ways that you try to work with each other and support each other and it's different you know if you're on your own by yourself you may fly off the handle or you may say something well when you're with a team there you, you have to try to be sensitive also to the others that you are dealing with
0: what are these people saying and criticizing you about are they still doing that
1: um no because I'm not playing, but I, I, I for instance I'll get criticized about the way I, I call a game or some people don't like the way that I call a game or some people don't maybe don't like you on the radio. but when it was athletics it was you know about missing shots or not winning games or different things like that. and those are the things that you just you have to learn how to deal with if you are going to be a professional athlete and that's why it's not for everybody. Because some people just, they they can't necessarily deal with that. And we're learning more about, uh, you know, mental uh, health and all those different things that a a lot of this is, it's very stressful situations when you get 20,000, 100,000 people in an arena and you are on the stage and you're having to deal and the pressure that is, pressure is what you make of it. But in a lot of ways, we manifest it and trying to figure out ways to to deal with that. And a lot of people, especially now that everyone has a voice, will be, you know, in their house and they will say the meanest stuff that they want to say. How do you process that? And yeah, it can be tough sometimes, but if you know who you are and you work hard, those are the things that you you don't pay attention to. You know what you can do and you can control what you can control.
0: So there's this quote. I'm not going to say it exactly i don't have that kind of memory but it's that what you do in the dark when nobody's watching that's where the real stuff happens and then when you get into the spotlight you're simply demonstrating what you've already been doing solo so no really give us more of a grasp of who you are and what you did because it wasn't just oh douglas christie the star basketball player no it was douglas christie the kid working alone practicing tirelessly for hours in the gym or something like that right
1: yeah it's um that that's where you're right. That's that's where it's all done. You know, so many people reveled at our Sacramento Kings team and I would always say to them, I would I would say that we we practice because we were gonna put on a performance. So when the time came and the lights came on, you guys got to see the end result. And that as many times as what you're saying with that quote is what you're doing when no one's looking and you're in the gym and you're in the weight room and you are running and you are doing all those different things the one thing about sport is there's no lying in sport you can tell me that you've done this but your performance is going to demonstrate that so that is the the beauty of what it is if you haven't worked on it or it's a you know it's a part of your game that is lacking you can say it's going to be good. You can say that you've worked on it, but the numbers and all those things will dictate and show exactly what it is that you've accomplished.
0: Exactly. And do you think that there is room for improvement? I mean, once you've reached the top of your abilities, you know speed, strength, etc, is there any more to go?
1: Yeah, there there always is. when i when I train athletes, I, I train mind, body, sport. And a lot of athletes have one, maybe sport. And then other athletes will have two. They'll have body and sport. But rarely do we get a Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James, uh, Kobe, where it's mind, body, and sport. So uh, in sport, if we take the sport aspect of it, you can always improve. I look at it kind of like Bruce Lee in, in belt degrees. You know, you can be a brown belt or a yellow belt, or you can be... Kobe and be a 10th degree black belt. And so there's always levels of improvements and nuances and things that you can improve if you're willing to improve because no one shoots perfectly. No one throws perfectly. So that means that there's something that you can improve upon. Then we look at the body. The body is about conditioning. The body is about strength. The body is about flexibility. Not to mention, we're watching Tom Brady and LeBron James play well into their 40s. So that means that science and different things has improved over time so the body can continue to improve in the mind which in my opinion is the most vastly overlooked aspect because it dictates everything that we do how we view things how we see things um how you digest a game how you watch video how you um look at all the cues of the person who you are competing against and things like that um that is that is a it's, it's huge more than anything so when you look at improvement there are three levels to an athlete and you can always always improve it's just how deep down the rabbit hole are you willing to travel to make that improvement
0: <clears throat> and all this improvement all this you know room for error and learning from that experience that's all done in the dark away from the public eye So how do you or how do you recommend for youth to keep working, even when nobody's watching?
1: You know, I I think that time management and understanding how to work on certain things is huge, meaning that 15 minutes is like a lot of time. You don't realize 15 minutes is a lot of time. But if you break down your discipline and you say, for instance, uh, dribbling, well, part of dribbling is hand strength and part of dribbling is forearm strength. And so, you don't always have to dribble to improve your dribbling. You can improve your strength of your hands and the coordination of your fingers. And there's a lot of different things. So when you're watching television, maybe you are squeezing a strength ball or, uh, you know, working on your flexibility. Or if you're, you know, you got tendinitis and you're doing knee arcs or you're working on your flexibility. So this is a it's a lifestyle. It's not like a definite amount of time. Like I go to the gym from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. and then I'm done. No, this is this is my life. This is what I do all day, every day. And the other things work around it. I don't work it around the other things.
0: A lot of these concepts you've been telling us, they're concepts you can apply to every other profession, to every other student's life, right?
1: Yeah. That is, um, that is well said because, you know, sport didn't create man. Man created sport. And the same thing goes for uh, orators and commentators and, and different things. It's just a different physical or uh, human discipline and whatever that discipline is. I mean, even when I look at poetry and I look at hip hop music and I look at all the, the different things or being a violinist or a pianist, it's it's how much time are you willing to dedicate to it? How much are you willing to dedicate to, you You know, your vocals and making sure that they're strong and your cadence and how you go about presenting? And, and uh, do you read a lot? Are, are your rhymes uh, deep? Are you talking about things? Then I can go to a pianist and different stuff. All of those things. There's, yeah, this, this is life. It's not just basketball. Basketball is a discipline inside of this thing that we call life.
0: Your verbiage is highly eloquent. It's like poetry coming out of your mouth every time you speak. Have you ever considered writing a book?
1: Uh, actually, my, my wife and I have uh, written a book together. We've uh, she's written uh, I think four other books. So yeah, I, I have it wasn't probably what I would write now, meaning I I would like to more pin it myself. I I keep journals and different things like that. I I enjoy writing and uh, I talk now for a living. So, uh, you know, I try to try to speak, but that is, it's, it's life coming out of my mouth and it's how I view it. And hopefully, and sometimes I can't find the words to describe it because life is so incredible. But when I do, um, it, it's enjoyable for me because the, the inspiration, you know, people inspired me and if I can inspire others, that's, that's what you call paying it forward.
0: So, you know, in our last minutes, what is your final advice to teens and youth? What is something you'd wish you heard when you were younger?
1: You know, one of the things, it, it's, a, it's a very simple thing. I get, I, we've talked about the road to success and different things, but Bruce Lee once said that, um, uh, I'm paraphrasing, that life is full of plateaus, but we must not stay there. And for me, it's a big one because when I initially wanted to make it to the NBA, that was the only dream that I had. I didn't really think past that. And then when I accomplished it and I got there, I didn't have anything. Uh, I was kind of stuck. And that's what he's saying is, meaning the plateaus are our goals. We're going to set them and we're going to reach them. And when you reach them, you must not sit there. You must continue to push. And if you continue to push, you're going to find more and more things of this beautiful thing that we call life. And the struggles will be in there and the failures will be in there. But those things are good because you learn from those as well.
0: Thank you, Doug. Very inspiring.
1: Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate you. You guys be well.
0: Of course. Thank you.
1: Each and every one of our
0: co-hosts and participants bring valuable life experience, articulative ability and a passion for representing the needs and views of youth across the state and beyond we are the gen zero podcast forging tomorrow's leaders today tune in for new episodes every friday at 12 p.m follow us on every social media platform at gen zero podcast and check out our website the genzeropodcast.com